Good evening and you're very welcome to another uh, Women's National League podcast here as our audio goes crazy, uh, pressing the wrong buttons here, good up. But we are back for episode 14 of the podcast. It is, of course, the, the League of Ireland Women's podcast here on FinalWhistle.ie. I'm Brett Early and with me, as always, Aaron Clark. Aaron, you're very welcome back. It's been an interesting week on the field, plenty to talk about today, late replacements in competitions. We've got a big Ireland squad announcement tomorrow. We've had sellouts at international games. It's been a phenomenal week for the game in the country. Uh, how have you been? Yeah, been been all right. Missed missed the games the weekend, unfortunately, a bit under the weather, but caught up on some of them. The, the thing you haven't even mentioned, Brefney, is the fact that they've also the FAI announcing their their new plans for stadiums and things like that as well. Great to see the women really part of the forefront as well, and things like that because. It's been really positive, as you say. Everything the last couple of weeks has been massively positive. Today's announcement is, is another right step in the right direction. And, you know, things are good at the minute. Things are good with women's football. They're on, they're on the rise. FIFA also announcing the prize money going up as well for the Women's World Cup and things like that. So everything is always taking, taking a step in the step in the, in the good directions. Yeah, I haven't had a chance to read the infrastructure plan in any great detail at all. Somebody sent me a, a screenshot of it this morning. And the first thing I saw was a typo. And it was a horrific typo. And I just thought, oh, I'm going to need a day or two to get around to reading that. Um, and I just thought, no, uh, this is um, something that needs a bit more attention than I have today to give to it. But we will probably talk about that at length on next week's show. Uh, there was, of course, as well, the small matter of the FAI Cup draw. Uh, 14 teams in the half from round one. Shells, of course, will join the seven winners to make up the quarterfinals. Uh, those games not down for decision, I think, for another, I want to say, 10 weeks. It's near the end of August. Ninth of... August? Yeah, so it's it's 10 or 11 weeks before those games will take place. So much happening between now and then that it's almost an aside at this stage. Uh, but I suppose the big news is the warm-up games for the World Cup selling out in Tallah Stadium. 8,000, whatever it is, ish, ish tickets for both games. Like I don't know if you remember back to the, the I won't say the dark days in, in UC, in Belfield Park and, and Richmond Park when you knew everybody who was at every single game back in those days. Uh, and you, like, it was kind of like friends meeting up, hadn't seen each other in a few weeks since the last game. Um, it's a very different kettle of fish now. This World Cup has really pushed the game into a whole new stratosphere. Brafney, I'll give you one, I'll give you an example that I'll, never, I'll always remember is the women even playing a game in the middle of a, a men's game at halftime and the men's, men's international Ireland against a, an Arsenal select. And then they play the game the next day, like things like that. How far we've come from Things, things like that. Like even, even if you think back to the protest five years ago, you look at the crowd that was in Tallah Stadium the following Thursday when they played Slovakia. Minimal. You look at there's been times where you've gone to games. There's, there's barely any people there for an international game. The press box is empty. Things like that. And just look to how far everything has come along. Everybody wants to be involved. Everybody wants to hop on the train. Like for me, I wasn't surprised to see these games selling out. I. Yeah. To be honest with you, I thought I thought when I seen them go on sale, okay, I thought the Zambia game would be a little bit more difficult. But I mean, started keeping a little bit of an eye on tickets and stuff like that over the last while. And even when the French one, like I warned everybody, I gave everybody the pre-sale link to both games the day before it went to public sale. And I warned them, I was like, this is going to happen. These are, they're going to go. And like, you're yeah, looking at the, the French game in particular, like even on the first day of general sale, the numbers were quite low, what, what was left. So it was always going to be a case of a matter of if not when. And even like, Last week, when the FAI announced the French game was sold out, I went on the Ticketmaster and had a nosy on, on the Zambia game. Rather than just searching about the tickets I wanted, I, I went in through the map. And you were looking, it was like a lot of the times it was 
there was a couple of two seats together. Then it was one seats dotted all over the place. That it was like it was I think it was less than a hundred left at that stage. And like the fact that the Zambia game is a couple of weeks away and and the demand is there. The only thing is, and I'm playing I'm playing a little bit of a not necessarily devil's advocate here. I'm playing a little bit of a of, of the thing here. I just hope everybody who bought a ticket shows up. You know, we've seen that before where they've, they've announced sellouts and then all of a sudden there's loads of tickets still available. Thankfully, they, with, they've done away with the men's season ticket holders being automatically guaranteed a ticket now, whereas they, they brought out their own women's season ticket, which is great. Like, listen, the thing is, they've also upped the prices as well. The price of 20 quid each for each game or 90 quid for the season ticket. And for me, we talked about the women's game at the start of the year about how you had to start charging a better value and like when we see national league teams going to, te- to 10 euro entry it was always to be expected that the Ireland games would go up and I think 20, 20 euro still represents a good value the, the family tickets when the, when the other north stand opens as well that will bring it up to 10,000 and like we still have we still haven't really touched on the fact that they're going to play Northern Ireland in September in, in the Aviva Stadium as well and at the start of the Nations League like there's so much of a buzz around the team and it's it's great to see that these two games are going to be sold out. Like the, the biggest thing, the French game is two days, is, is the day before they, they start to travel to Australia. So it's the last opportunity for people to see them and it's 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 good for the girls. I think they deserve it. It's, you're right, there's a massive buzz around because we qualify for the World Cup now. I remember those games I talked about. I think I visions of playing Italy and Switzerland and big countries, but just nobody at the games and being given literally a week or two beforehand Dozens, and I mean dozens of books of tickets to give out to people for free just to get bodies in the gate, and we couldn't do it. It's so great to see the distance that the sport has come in that last probably 18 to 20 years or so. It's it's, it's really, really class. Um, I will say to people listening, if you're listening to us live, we'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions that you want us to, uh, to answer in relation to the FAI Cup draw, any of the games last weekend or what's coming up this weekend, as well as the international draw, who do you think should be in the uh, Ireland squad? Uh, drop a comment wherever you're watching this on social media, whether it's YouTube or Facebook or Twitter. We can bring it up on screen. Uh, I'll show you an example of what it looked like. We can bring it up here and uh, pose your questions and then we can try and answer them uh, if we can at all. So feel free to do that. Throughout the show, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Let's move straight on to last weekend's results and get that out of the way before we get really stuck into maybe some discussion on the World Cup squad itself. Um, some big games last weekend, plenty of, uh, of I suppose, good performances, an absolute thriller of a, a game down in Treaty United. Uh, Emma Doherty, an inspired performance from her, dragged Sligo Rovers to a, a share of the spoils, three all down there, two goals and an assist for her. P-Match United, 5-3, a hat-trick uh, for Kate Mooney. Um, she won't get as many easy as the, the third one, but uh, two fabulous scores, a great strike from Chloe Maloney. I'm not going to say anything, but we did have her on the podcast last week. This uh, good luck charm is is definitely going on and on and on, uh, but also uh, plenty of fantastic strikes and performances across the grounds as well. Dealer got a, an important win for them and picks up their season a bit down in Cork. Uh, a bit fortuitous in terms of maybe lax defended from Cork, but uh, Kate Malone stuck her, the ball in the back of the net very comfortably from that long-range Jessica Eason effort. St- scoreless in Shamrock Rovers and Bohemians in Daily Mount. Bows be quite happy with that performance while champion Shells kept some pressure on the top of the table with a 2-0 win down in Galway. Your thoughts on the games and how it all went, uh, in your opinion, Aaron? Before, before I do, because you said to me before the show you're going to put me on the spot, so I'm going to put you on the spot right here. Okay. There's been three players this season have been, have made a team of the week five times. Okay. Any idea who they are? 
I do because I saw it on Twitter during the week. So I'd be, I'd be, <laughs> yeah. I'd be lying if I'd be lying if uh, if I said I, I didn't. Um, as far as I, I got, I got the trade, but Karen Duggan and Saif Doyle. So I did see you reply on Twitter during the week. So I I, I get the answer right, but it's by default. So you you answered it. I wouldn't have got. I probably would have got Karen Duggan. I might not necessarily have got Saif Doyle for for every single week, but um. No, the only the only one I would have thought that potentially could have been in there in and around there was Jenna Slattery because Jenna's obviously be, being very good and it's interesting that like Bowers, you talk about the results in the weekend. Bowers have now completed the clean sweep of actually taking points off every team in the National League. They were just awaiting Shamrock Rovers and it's a big difference from when they played four five or six weeks ago and Shamrock Rovers batted them out of the gate in in Tallah Stadium, beat them four 0 You look at the defending on that day from Bowers and they probably probably won't want to watch it back and it was a, a better performance from them. Again, Breathley, I'm going to say this, and I'm sort of hot, biting, my, biting my lips saying this a little bit. A power cut this week cost LOI TV to miss the first 60-odd minutes. I'm just getting frustrated. I'm getting, and I understand things like this happen where sometimes it's out of like control, but it's too many weeks. They happen, but it's been three consecutive weeks where we've lost at least one game or the vast majority of at least one game. Um, it's not good. Had, don't game. forget, we've had interruptions in DLR as well. Well, we've had interruptions all over the shop a couple of times. Uh, there was one game I watched. Um, I think that actually might have been a men's game, to be fair. But from the start of this, I didn't turn it off or, or slow it or, or move around. It was 12 minutes behind by the time it got to the end. When the 19-minute uh, notification came through on my phone, I was looking at the game and it was 78 minutes on screen. And when I tried to refresh it, it was still coming up 78 minutes and it was a poor, poor production. Um, some of the clubs, some of the time... Are having serious problems with their with their uh, productions. Most of them, most of the time, are brilliant, but there's just a few of them. I'm not going to get drawn into commentary. I think there's a whole level of commentary needed that isn't there at a number of clubs. Not all of them, definitely not all of them, and probably not even the majority. Some of the commentators are phenomenally good, um, but some of the clubs I think need to have a real think about the quality of the production and the commentary combination that's going out. It's just not good enough when you're when you're um, providing a paid-for service. I appreciate a lot of people are voluntary, um, but it's not a free service. Therefore, you have to offer quality when you're charging for it, in my opinion. Is that fair? You're not wrong. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. And I think for me, that the, these pixel cameras are just absolutely doing my head in because the fact that they're so, they're so easy to have problems with as well. But in terms of the production side of things, you are right. There's some, there's some ground as well. And you see it in the men as well as the women where the sun shines and all of a sudden that that can ruin the game when the sun is shining because the, where the camera placement, the sun doesn't really help, doesn't help it either. And for, for a value for money, we need to make sure that we're having the right value at. Just in terms of we're talking about cameras, productions and stuff like that, it's been interesting being around the National League this year. I don't know if you're aware but I think RTE are doing an Irish documentary on the league because it's, I think it's nearly certain it is RTE. There's always a camera crew at a, a lot of the games where you'd see them going around with the, the big fancy cameras on the, on the strap to their backs and all and the big microphones. And it's great to see things like that where they're following clubs throughout the season and the clubs are getting more and more, we'll get more and more exposure. I suppose it's come out in and around Christmas time, but like, you see that then there's, 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 there's the 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 rumor about the the Ross Whitaker documentary as well on the Irish women's team for the World Cup. Like, there's a lot of great exposure things going on, and I think if we want to really capitalize on it, we just need to have the proper value for money in terms of the production of the LOI TV. Because don't get me wrong, it's an absolutely brilliant service to have the opportunity, especially when you're when you can't get to a game. But we just need to make sure we do have the correct value add. I think maybe now it might be a good idea just to. 
stick with what's on the pitch. We've had a bit of a rant over. Yeah, all of let's, let's, have, let's move on to the game. Thankfully, that power cut didn't affect our uh, ability to see every goal in the league last season be, be, or last weekend because there were no goals in Daily Mount to miss. Um, I look back at the highlights. It's a pretty short clip. It shows the kickoff, the final whistle, and there's one play where Rachel Kelly makes a fairly routine save. Um, it can't have been the best of games to, to be at in, in terms of, or maybe the highlights, which are another bugbear we're not going to get into now. Um, maybe the highlights just doesn't reflect how good a game it might have been. Like I know Bowes, from speaking to the Bowes camp, they've done an awful lot of defending in the game. They had to do an awful lot of defending, but the thing is they were expected to do that. They were expected to have to do that against the likes of Shamrock Rovers, but the fact that they, they didn't wilt when Rovers put the pressure on, I think Collie O'Neill will be a little bit disappointed with the fact that it's a big two points dropped coming into what they have this weekend. They would have wanted to really keep the pressure up on, on P-Mount because if P-Mount win this weekend really opens the gap. Then you're looking at, at, at for, from a P-Mount point of view, the only real massive, massive team that they've got, well, you would say that, but they're not on form at the minute, is Wexford Utes out of the so-called big teams left. So, like, it's for, from Collie O'Neill's point of view, it's probably a massive two points drop. Sean Bourne and Pat Trey be absolutely delighted with the, with the point and the fact that they, they made amends for what they thought what happened in Tala was was a was a, a great thing. One thing we haven't even mentioned about this game, Breffney, is the the new league of, the new league of Ireland women's Premier Division league, uh, attendance record as well was set at this game. Uh, it's great it's great to see that the two sets of fans, considering they are seen to be a lot of rivalries in the men's side of things, can come and watch a game together and things can be can be smooth sailing as well. And it's great to see a new attendance record for the league. I'm not gonna lie, I saw some photos from the game and I was very jealous of some of the people standing up uh, on the uh, shopping centre end there and the, the kind of the the area they're not supposed to be in. Uh, but it got me very nostalgic for a couple of nights there in the early noughties just before they closed the College Street side uh, watching some of the European games. I think we saw Bowes beat Batai Barsov, who've obviously gone on to be bigger and better things in the last 20 years. But um, some great nights on that side of the ground. So lovely to see it, even though it's kind of few and far between and probably just a little bit down to maybe a lack of uh, extra stewarding on the night that gave people access to that but it was definitely a little bit nostalgic but on the field uh, you're dead right Rovers would be disappointed to have dropped two points in that game but for Bowes they stay in third place it's a big result for them uh, Shells two of the winners in court you mean fourth place you mean fourth place rather than third Apologies, our league table must have an, an error in it um, so yeah but um, in terms of Shells They'll be happy with that result because Galway are proven to be very tricky to beat this season. Up until the last couple of weeks, they have been, and all of a sudden they play three Dublin teams in the last three weeks. Galway and they've come away with nothing. It's sort of a, it's one of these that Phil Trail will be sort of scratching his head trying to see what's going on because you look you look where the way they they've been in the first couple of first six seven eight games, and then all of a sudden come up to come up to Piedmont, lose against Piedmont, lose away to Rovers, then lose at home to Shells, and you're sort of thinking, oh no, where. Where where where's things got sort of gone wrong and it's 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 difficult for them because it's it's three tough games and like on paper you probably say they're expected to lose all three games losing two 0 to the shells probably would be the most disappointing I think the fact they didn't they didn't even get on the score sheet but from a shells point of view like Gemma Quinn Gemma Quinn up top has been brilliant the last month or so Megan Smith Lynch is is always, is always dangerous in and around, in and around the edge of that box and shells was an important win. Good for them to keep a clean sheet. Haven't haven't lost the payment the week previously, and like for shells, shells and shells are now sort of relying on other teams to drop points, but they just need to keep winning at the minute. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, big game down in Treaty, um, Marcus Field, Treaty United, and 
Sligo, and I think there's no world in which Sligo should have taken a result out of this based on how well Treaty played in the first half and how, just to be honest, out of it Sligo were. They just didn't, didn't look like they shown up. But yet Emma Doherty, who has, she has done it time and time again, she just pulled it out of the bag. Fantastic performance for her. Uh, set up one goal brilliantly and uh, scored two other crackers as well, really to, to draw them back into the game and earn them a, a well-justified point in the end. Like you look at Emma, you look at Emma though. Emma's everybody's been raving about Emma for years, considering what she was doing at Underage Ireland. So last year we sort of seen a sprinkle of her getting into the team of the year, having some some very good performances. This year hasn't been as easy for her, but when when you sort of give her too much too much time and opportunity, she is going to punish teams. And I think from a Treaty United point of view, they'd probably be extremely disappointed the fact that they let Sligo back into that game. When when they're three one up, they shouldn't be letting Sligo go back into it at all, and they should be they should be seeing that game out. And whereas for them, it's it's probably going to look upon us as, as two points definitely dropped. Whereas from a, a Sligo point of view, they'd be happy just to, to pull that to pull that back and, and get that point. And Alvin Hyson probably be, like like Phil Trail will be will be will be scratching his head to see what's going on, having had the big loss to Athlone recently as well, and then letting the two goal lead slip. And you're, you're sort of wondering in that in that sense, where, where's it gone wrong and like for both of these sides, you'd, you'd wonder is is the break coming maybe at the right time from a Sligo, sorry, from a treaty and a Galway point of view, is the break coming at the right time? Sligo will have to probably try and strengthen during the, during the window. But the problem is with, with the way the league is at the minute is who do you get in? That's the problem. There's not an awful lot of player unless you're going to go and try and nabble someone who's maybe playing in the underage leagues and, and bring them up because there's not a lot of players who will probably be willing to move clubs during, no, think- during the offseason unless they're not playing. I think we need to possibly need to look at the Northern League, but now with Science Swifts coming into the Avenir Sports Cup, we'll talk about that in a moment as well. Um, that will be a traditional hunting ground in the Northwest. Themselves, Derry City, Jim McGuinness would have come from that route. Uh, they would have had a few other players uh, who have come down from those two teams and others dotted around the Northwest up in the Donegal and in the Sean Leagues and in the Northern Ireland League. Um, but that's a fairly small pool as well in terms of the number of players who are going to come in who are actively going to make a difference and improve Sligo Rovers, there's probably not that many names out there for them to go chase. No, unless unless they're going to nabble someone who's maybe who's maybe sitting on the bench for the likes of Athlone or sitting on the bench for Galway, who they think can add a value to their team. Other than that, there's not really many names that would stand out to you straight away. Like the Brady sisters aren't really playing much in Galway. I know um, one of them is signed to go as, as we signed with Galway. Galway this season, like if they could get people like that to potentially make that move. But then again, you're, you're sort of looking like what you're going to have to have something to interest in players to want to move to Sligo because it is it is quite a commute. As, it's quite a commute as well. And unless you're in that sort of commute or region, it's even harder to try and attract the players over there. So maybe Casey Howe has to use a bit of her connections and try and get one or two from the, one or two from the north. But, but even I think Casey, Sions, Casey played in Belfast, but she's from Enniskillen, which is just across the border, just down the road from Sligo. So it's not that big a commute for her if she's yeah. based at home, whereas a girl coming from even Derry or, or Belfast or anywhere around Northern Ireland, it's just that that distance is huge. Yeah, and like you mentioned, Sion Swift's coming into the Avenir Cup. That could be an opportunity for Steve Feeney to maybe have a look at one or two players and see can he try and nabble them over the, over the over the transfer window. But the only the only problem is is that I, I have to I, I'll need to check this out, but I'm nearly certain the transfer window only opens from normally it only opens for the month of July. Yeah. So if that if that's the case then they're gonna have to potentially look at bringing bring them in 
just after that cup and you haven't really got a long time, especially if club players are playing with playing with clubs in that in that stage. Like the other the other inter- the other interesting one this year is the fact with the league going professional that the players actually can't come back from America and play in the league. You probably notice we haven't seen any of them come in during the off season, during the season. So because they're amateurs amateurs can't sign a sign for in a professional league unless the window is open, only an, only an, only a free agent a free agent professional can can sign in the league. So it's a bit of a catch twenty two this year because there was a lot of talk well, would Bambi come back into one of the either shells or bowls, but obviously hasn't been able to, and that sort of negates maybe Cork might have tried to bring in one or two for a couple of weeks as well. Yeah, so that's going to be a big challenge. They might get a couple of games in July and maybe a few weeks in August out of them, but realistically, they're not going to play a whole lot of football this year. I don't think that's the worst thing for the league going forward, but we shall see. Uh, Other games uh, that played over the weekend, of course, DLR, they won down in Cork, uh, and that big result in Piemont. Piemont alone with two challenges for the title last year. Piemont very much in the hunt this year. They lead the the field. Um, They'll be happy with that performance, particularly for Kate Mooney. She's really been on form this year. She's moved to the top of the goal scorers charts in her own right now. Um, She was there in in a joint capacity, but now she's there on on her own. She's going to be happy, and and the team have got to be happy with how this season's panning out for them. Perfectly. The biggest thing for me from the, from this game is the fact they scored four goals in like twelve minutes. That was the, that was the sign of a ruthless, roof, 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 uh, ruthless. Can't even get them. Oh, I'm going to try for ruthless. They were just ruthless. They were just absolutely ruthless. And that's the sort of thing that you're looking from a P mount. Uh, that's like a P mount of old from a couple of years ago, where they just go boom, 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 and hit a couple. It's yeah. it's as if James James O'Callaghan's just got that little bit of mindset into them. I think the Shells win was I think the Shells win was very big for them the week before, and like they 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 realistically realistically put that the game game to bed within ten minutes and, and in the second half and that spell in the second half, and then yes, that Cloud scored a couple of late goals, but it probably just took a little bit of a gloss off it. But I was really impressed with the fact that the way P-Mount went about that and that and that short period of time. And as you say, Kate Mooney. I feel for Kate over the last couple of years. She's had the ACL. She's had the the couple of niggles and. When she was at Shell, she probably wasn't really looked upon as as the top striker. She was she was sort of in and out an awful lot, and she was, how would you say, not really getting much of a run. And then she went to DLR, gets injured after get does her ACL after scoring on the scoring her first goal for DLR in the opening day of the season, and then you're sort of thinking, oh no. But her character, her character, and then she come back last year. But I think this year, Piment, she's really set the bar for herself this year, and you can see how much. She's enjoying her football and she's really working hard. And a lot of credit has to go to her because the easy option when things haven't been working is to sort of drift away and just be happy to score a goal here or there. But she's not. She you can see when she gets in a good team how how important she is. But but I think the characteristic of the Piemont team this year, it's all built a lot on hard work. They haven't necessarily got all the, the most skillful footballers in the world. Like I know we've talked about Chloe Maloney a little bit in the last couple of weeks, but. Chloe's not the most skillful footballer in the world, but she's one of the most hardworking you'll get. Like is, that not, is that not a benefit though? Because I think 100%. maybe maybe Piemont and a couple of teams, and it's it's not a new phenomenon in the women's game, but where three or four players can dominate a dressing room or a feet or a pitch, and they can be the spine of a team, and they kind of everything goes through them, and the other players are kind of just filling jerseys, and I don't mean that as an insult to them, but they're just not the same level. Whereas Piemont have lost a couple of those girls that the outsiders would have all expected to be the main players on the field. So the, the experience of Anya O'Gorman, Steffi Roach, and others uh, have left the club in the last six months. 
but the other girls seem to have gelled really well. And now they have an 11, Karen Duggan aside, and maybe Nigrid Burke aside in terms of reputation and experience. Um, but that gel and they're a solid 11, which I have, I can remember a, a women's team, even the Shells t- sides that won the league for the last two years, being that 1-11 to 11 with the same level of quality more or less throughout the entire 15 or 16 girls in the, in the frame. But he's bringing in kids. He's bringing in the likes of Jess Fitzgerald, Ellen Doolan. Kids are getting an opportunity as well. And they're just stepping up because they see the mindset, the, the mentality. You're right in what you're saying. Sometimes that helps the team massively. Whereas you look at last year, yes, they were probably over-reliant on the likes of Anya. They were over-reliant on time, at times on Steph, over-reliant on Alana McAvoy. Where this year, they don't necessarily, they don't necessarily have the quality but they've got the hard work and they're even more driven. And I think, like, you look at some of the games last year or this year, the Wexford game in Piedmont, the, even the likes of the Shells game, they may have lost them sort of games previous seasons because when 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 when, when it hits the fan, they sort of, you know, things get tough. They, they tended to, sometimes, I don't mean to sound bad here, but they, they tended to wilt or they tended to drop off a little bit. Whereas this year, they're much fitter side as well and they're, they're driving right until the very end and, they're pushing and pushing and pushing for, for winners. And I think that's, there's a lot of players. It's probably, it's probably fair to say there's a lot of players in that team this year, as you say, Karen Duggan aside, Neary Burke aside, they have a lot to prove. Yeah, we have, I think that's the thing. we have a comment in here, as you can see on screen there, from uh, someone that you may recognise the name of, uh, Billy Cleary, uh, former WL manager, of course, with Galway, WFC. Uh, a team is made up of artists and warriors. He's not wrong. Uh, you need those couple of uh, special players in there with the girls who just put that effort in. But uh, thanks for that, Billy. Uh, you're absolutely sm- smack dab on the money. Uh, let's take a quick look at the uh, league table at the end of. Just, be- the- just before we do, just before we do, a quick, a quick word though on with DLR, DLR Cork. It was a, a good result for Laura Heffernan. Four points from our opening, our opening two games from that from Danny Murphy. Probably be a little bit disappointed with the. With the result to lose one 0 it was a, a good atmosphere in, in in Turner's Cross as well, and to come away on the wrong side of a of a, of a one 0 defeat is never is never is never nice. And for Cork City point of view, things are still still quite tough at the minute. And there was a sort of game where a little bit more experience they might they might have got over the line, maybe got a point or got got all three points. But from a, a DNOS point of view, the fact that Laura's taken up four points in her in her first two games, starting to build a, a little bit of a little bit of momentum for her side and, and another really really important game from this weekend where she could potentially build a little bit more momentum and head into the Avenir Cup on, on a on a on a good pathway. Absolutely. And uh, league table as I mentioned, Piedmont clear at the top three points to spare over this week's opponents, Shamrock Rovers. Will they have three points or six points potentially at the end of the weekend? Shamrock Rovers uh, will be hoping that they will be level pegging at the top of the table. Uh, Shells three points further back uh, on 25 points with Bohemians, uh, just those two points back. There's a bit of a group then, Galway, Wexford and Athlone, all within a three-point gap, 16 to 19 points there, while DLR Waves picked up that win in Turners Cross. They're back on 12. Treaty and Sligo kept consistent. Three-all draw with them this week uh, leaves them three points between them. Sligo, of course, with that game in hand, while Cork City at the moment propping up the bottom of the table. If we scroll down, we can take a quick look at the statistics in terms of the top scorers in the division, I mentioned Kate Mooney. Uh, she scored three times this weekend. Hattrick for her moves her three clear of Anya O'Gorman, who, of course, may be in the Ireland squad selection discussion we'll have in just a couple of moments' time. Maddie Gibson on five, alongside Megan Smith-Lynch, Gemma Quinn and Dana Sheriff 
while Karen Duggan also on the score sheet this week uh, moves up to four points. Uh, she's only one of one of two players with a hundred percent attendance record. Sarah Rowe has missed a minute. Uh, Onyo Roman and Karen Duggan, of course, misses reliability on the double there. Both of them have played uh, every minute of the league campaign so far. In terms of the clean sheets, of course, we have Rachel Kelly and Courtney McGuire top of that particular table. Seven clean sheets for them. With Eve Badana, Amanda Budden and Neil Reed Burke. Plenty of experience in international camps between those three girls, of course. And making up the next three spots on the table. Neil Reed Burke doing that with their one game less played than the others. Uh, your thoughts on that? Any major surprises there for you, Aaron, in terms of the scorers or the, the clean sheets? Not, re- not really. I would expect Kate to, if she keeps going the way she's going, to potentially increase that increase that a little bit more as time goes on. Clean sheets-wise, it just shows in terms of bowls. Like, if I don't win seven clean sheets, like, that's massive from a, yeah. a side who last year would have struggled to get clean sheets. And I think a lot of, it, a lot of it's down to Rachel Kelly and goal. I would expect to see Amanda Budden get more clean sheets in the second half of the season. I think from a Rovers viewpoint, they've leaked a couple of goals that they probably would have been a little bit disappointed with that they probably thought they could have prevented. And But no real surprises on either of them. It's it's mad the way you, you look at it that with Karen Duggan and Anya Gorma playing every minute and Sarah Rowe only missing, missing the one. Like, as you say, reliable. The two, the two players absolutely probably the most reliable players on. You obviously had her injuries in the last couple of seasons, but back fit and really helping that Rovers team at the minute. Now it has to be said, that's just of the players on the top scorers list. Uh, when I do a search by by minutes, we probably have about 10 girls in there who have played. Even even, even 10 who played every minute. That's that's impressive though from a from a 12-team league though. Yeah, well, there's a fair few goalkeepers in there. Rachel Kelly, Dan, Amanda Budden, Anne-Marie Uliak, Dan and Treaty, uh, O'Gorman, Duggan, Scarlett Heron, Lisa Murphy, Eva Mangan, Lauren O'Callaghan, Fiona Donnelly, and Grace McInerney, Kiva Keenan, the players with 100% records. There's a handful of girls who've missed just a handful of minutes. Jesse Mendez, Jamie Erickson, Courtney McGuire, Eve Dawson, less than a dozen minutes missed all season. So uh, the average of 89 minutes per match, I think we'll give it to them on, on that basis. Um, let's take a quick look uh, at the FAI Cup draw, because we had this during the week, of course, Um no major surprises that came up there. The four non-league sides in the draw, of course, uh, always a little bit of a novelty to see who they'll get. Bonaghi United were in there, Calester, Johnny Carney, Turner Rangers, and Cabin Teeley, the four sides that got to the semi-finals of the FAI Amateur Cup uh, for women earlier this season. So they were the four that qualified. Of course, Whitehall Rangers, who won that competition last year, knocked out this year, didn't quite make that top four. They would have been expecting maybe to get to this grade. But the draw took place the other... Uh, afternoon, um, I think it was on Monday or Tuesday, I can't remember quite the Tuesday, I think. Um, your thoughts on, on how they've got up there, I suppose, uh, the game of the round, possibly at Lone and Galway, uh, but also I think Sligo Rovers and Bonaghi has a little bit of local interest. There's plenty of plenty of Donegal influence in that Sligo team, and they'll know each other quite well. Yeah, like uh, the interesting thing from watching the draw is Ruth Comerford of Terran Euro Rangers was quietly confident over the fact that they got Cork City. Um, I'm not sure she'd be, I'm not sure how confident they'll be come close to the time because I, I still think there's a bit of a gap even between the bottom side in the National League to the, the semi the semi-finals of the, the amateur cup. Like you look at you only have to look at last year, Brefney, I think yeah. look at the average average win margin. It was, it was quite high. One of the games didn't go ahead because one of the teams didn't travel. I think like from a from a likes of a bowl's point of view, getting classed, they're very happy. Rovers getting Donny Carney. 
Shamrock Rovers got Gloucester. That's oh, right. Shamrock Rovers getting Gloucester. Um, yeah. Bowes getting Cabin Teeley. Yeah. Debbie's starting slightly happy with that draw. Three all women's three all women's Premier Division t- ties in in the round. Like it's it, it. I I always think the the interesting of the, of the cup because I'm not sure we'll get like the chances of getting one upset are probably slim. Chances of getting multiple upsets, but like I I, I did expect one of the big the big teams to probably to probably draw each other at Lone and Galway as I say probably is the tie around. Be interesting to see where Cabin Teeley looked to play that that game against against Bowes. I think realistically, if you're Cabin Teeley, you got to be. I'd probably look to be smart and try and play it in Daily Mount and try and say, okay, here, let's split the gate. Play it in Daily Mount. Let's split the gate. Bowes not Bowes tend to get a, a decent enough crowd through it. Through it. Interesting enough though, Calesta Donny Carney have kids teams actually going to watch Shamrock Rovers this weekend, which is which is quite interesting. It was pre-arranged before the draw. So it's it's good to see that there's that little that little familiarity. And I can it's 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 a day out for the non-league sides as well. Yeah. Listen, the, the one thing we don't want, we, we never want to see them getting beaten out the door. There's a massive gap, there's no doubt about it. Bonnegy United be interesting to see how much they've learned. From this stage last year, because they're the only team who was in it, who was in the cup last year, who were in it again this year. So, can they make an improvement on the performance they had last year? I think they went to they go to Cork last year. I think they did. Yeah, they did. They were, they were soundly beaten, like six or seven nil in the end. Um, I think Terry Rangers. I, I watched the draw, and you're right. Ruth Comerford was was very confident, almost overly confident, even before the draw took place. Uh, she seemed to be quite confident about uh, what was going to happen. So. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if the fight and talk uh, transpires. I think Turner have a good track record in the cup competitions in Dublin. I just so. hope that games. I just hope that games played on a Sunday, and because the other games that are in Dublin on a Saturday, so at least then <laughs> it'll actually get the bit of the bit of the bit of exposure yeah. that that it deserves, or else it's played late in the evening. Because Absolutely. I think Turner will get a lot of they got a lot of kids out to that game, and they won't make it easy for Cork. They'll have a a, a, a nice atmosphere for Cork that it won't be it won't be that welcoming, but. It'll it'll be interesting to see if Cork City how they how they handle that sort of trip with the non-league. I know they have had some upsets in the not in years gone by. I remember Shells under eight Shells under eighteen's team beat them. Then again, that Shells under eighteen's team beat Castlebar as well and got to the semi-final. So yeah, well, well I know you were at the different. draw. You were at the draw at the weekend, but also our reporter Jeremy Carney was up in Abbottstown at the draw and he caught up with Megan Smith Lynch. Shells, of course, not in the draw. They get a bye to the quarterfinal stay away at the seven winners as I mentioned at the top of the show here's what Megan Smith Lynch had to say to Jermit on Tuesday afternoon It appears as if uh, the audio is not working on that. So let me just uh, send that to you again. My apologies on that. Um, but unfortunately, sometimes we just have these technical issues here. So we'll just take a little run back. I hadn't clicked the audio button. So here we, here we go. A second attempt at this. It's here from Megan Smith-Lynch. Here with Megan Smith-Lynch of Shelburne. Megan, I know you get a buy into the first round of the draw, but looking at a few, looking at those seven fixtures, anything that really stands out from, for you as a player? 
Yeah, I think there's like a few exciting fixtures. Um, I was sitting with the treaty manager uh, there, and they're at their home to payment. Uh, treaty have come on a, a lot this year. Um, another one, new, newcomers into our league and into this cup are um, Shamrock Rovers. So, them at home to Colester. I think it's a great opportunity for Colester to play in Tallis Stadium now. Um, a couple of underdog teams as well. I, I, I don't see any reason why they can't put a stint in this cup this year. Uh, Ruth Comerford, obviously speaking, Terran playing Cork City, that'll be another uh, interesting tie as well. So, uh, yeah, a couple of nice uh, draws. We'll just sit back in the first round and enjoy it all and wait for um, to, to find out who we play in the quarterfinal then. I suppose for you now, it's just looking at the, the league, you know, you've another game against this weekend taking on Wexford, but you're, you're third in the league at the moment. Fairly more competitive season this year, would you say? There's a lot more teams that are fighting for those places. The likes of Bowles are there. Galway, obviously, Shamrock Rovers are actually coming into the league as well. Yeah, I think this is probably the most exciting season, yeah, particularly for the neutrals. Maybe not us as players. I want to be winning the league and, um, you know, and winning games every week. But um, I think for in terms of women's football in Ireland, it's been brilliant. You mentioned a couple of teams there. I think it's a it's a five-horse race, a six-horse, if you really want to uh, look into it this year. It's exciting. It's really exciting times. And, like, every game is a massive one every weekend. I think we mentioned every week this is a massive one this weekend. There's no such thing as playing the top teams anymore. And... Um, but looking ahead to this weekend, obviously there's a bit of history between us and Wexford Youth. So, you know, it would be nice going to the mid-season break, uh, getting three points against them. I suppose you mentioned the, the growth and the competitiveness of the league. We've seen record-breaking attendances, obviously the last day between Bowes and, and Shamrock Rovers and Daily Mount. We had the cup final last year, which set a record attendance for a women's cup final as, as, a, player, as a player going through the league. Is it great to see that women's game, the women's game in this country is growing and more fans are coming to the games and the coverage is there? Obviously, Sports Director after coming on now is the title sponsor for the Women's Cup, so it's only going to be growing over the next few years as well. Absolutely. To get a sponsor like Sports Direct is absolutely brilliant uh, to back this competition. You know, when you mentioned uh, the attendances, uh, the cup final attendance last year was brilliant. And you could really feel it, you know, um, we, we heard that lone supporters, they were fantastic on the day. I think there was bus loads of them. Um, we didn't like it as uh, Shell's players, but they were brilliant, the supporters. Shame the Shelburne fans every week in Tolga Park. You know, when you see the young kids coming up from Shelburne Academies, supporting every week and supporting all teams around the league. You mentioned Bowes setting a record attendance last weekend. You know, and we want to keep setting uh, records every week. You know, we don't want to just stop at the Bowes game last weekend, but... The coverage has been absolutely brilliant. Obviously, TG Carr coming on board as well and showcasing the games and obviously the World Cup. I think that's just going to, I think we're got, the league's going to explode even more after the World Cup, you know, with the, how well we believe the girls could do over there. How have you found the season in terms of maybe being a little bit stop-start where, you know, we had 10 teams last year, Shamrock Rovers were now and there's 11. Obviously, there's, there's bye weeks for a few teams and, you know, Obviously, this is the final. We're coming into the final game week now. Before, obviously, you said mentioned the World Cup. We're going to have the international break for a while, but then we're also going to have the All Ireland Cup, which now sees you taking on teams from from the north as well. So, the growth is is even more there when now you have the chance to take on teams that aren't from you know the, the Women's League of Ireland as yeah, well. Yeah, this All Ireland Cup is a completely new test. Um, I think it's a great idea. Um, you know what it'll do is it'll give all teams an opportunity to play players. Um, because it's that little break from the league. Um, and it just just gets us ready for the World Cup as well. You know, a couple of games. I think uh, we have Galway, Athlone, and Linfield. Um, obviously Linfield, a new team for ourselves. Um, there's a group of death as well. It'll be really interesting. Um, with a couple of big teams. Um, 
Glentoran are very strong there. So they're in uh, a group with uh, Rovers, Pima and Wexford. That's an interesting group. But um, it's an exciting competition. It's a new one. Mm-hmm. And we want to be the first names on that trophy, um, on that competition. So um, hopefully we, we can do well in it. Could we try for a domestic treble this year of the, the two cups on offer and the league title as well? Uh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Looking at yourself as well, you know, you're balancing life playing for Shelburne, but you're also coaching as well. I suppose, how did you fall into the coaching at such a relatively young age as well to, to be coaching? I suppose, I know you're coaching an Ireland underage team as well. Yeah, um, I was lucky enough, um, Tom Elms got the head coach job uh, for the under-16 women's team and um, two years ago now, and he asked me to come, on, come in as his assistant two years ago, and then ever since then, I've, just, I've loved the role, and obviously with the women qualifying for the World Cup, um, Tom has now gone a full-time um in with the seniors just in preparations for the World Cup so I was lucky enough to, um, to step up into the position and I'm you know honoured and privileged to be able to balance both at the moment and it's going really well and it helps me as a player and then playing helps me in my coaching as well so they're really uh, working hand in hand with each other. Megan Smith-Lynch there uh, joining us uh, ended a bit abruptly there but uh, Megan Smith-Lynch uh, giving her thoughts on, on the draw even though it doesn't necessarily affect them just yet it does separate them from the, the wheat from the chaff so uh, interesting to see how how it goes up for them as well she talked about the Avenir Cup before we leave the, the FAI Cup draw uh, we might just mention that the Cup final tickets are available now and it's something no more than the ladies Gaelic again 15-20 years ago um, it's an event that Teams should be bringing their underage players to, regardless of who's in it. Like buy the tickets now, make the plans, bring your underage girls teams from whatever county or region in the in the country you're based in, and make it a day out. Make it something that they can see it, they can be it in the future. And I think that's super vital because you, we hear these girls, these young players in the league now talking about their first touch of a cup final or an Ireland game, and it's what's kept them coming back and back and back playing over the years. Brefney, last year's cup final was one of the best atmospheres I've ever been for the women. It was unbelievable. You had the Shells fans on the right-hand side, the Athlone fans down the left-hand side. And the Athlone fans had drums and all. They were absolutely never stopped for the entire game. And you just like it's great when you see the kids coming around, the teams coming around, all the different club colours and stuff like that. And the thing is, you know, if you contact the, I assume the FAI do what they, do what they normally do. Like They normally have packages available for teams to bring skills to bring teams you'll also have the new stand open in, ta- in the in talent as well by then just won't be ready for the for the two warm-up games but like that's another opportunity to add another 2000 like how great would it be to, to get close to a full house for cup final in talent it'd be unbelievable like the thing is before we can even start demanding to go back to the aviva we have to start getting full houses in talent and getting them regularly in talent for for the cup final and then we can start looking at is it time to go back to the aviva but like megan said there is a, as you said, there is a potential that the league could explode over the World Cup, but then again, like you'd have thought we'd have got a bit of a buzz off the back of England winning last year because it was close to home as well. The Euros was on close to home. Like I'm interested to see what actually comes off the back of it. I think the FA are doing great things with the legacy, with a lot of the legacy stuff that they're trying to implement in and around the World Cup, and like it's booming at the minute. Things are booming at the minute, and how much of an increase we get off the World Cup. Nobody can answer, nobody can really answer that question at the minute. That's the that's the thing. Nobody can answer that question. But the one thing we can say is there's more and more people now starting to say, oh, I'll bring my son or I'll bring my daughter to go watch the women's team play. And maybe we wouldn't have had that a couple of years ago. And I think as you say, they can't you can't be, you can't see you can't see, you know, the conversations are, are completely different to where they were three, four years ago, even. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, looking forward then, the Avenir Cup, of course, is on the horizon now. Last round of games this weekend. We're going to deal with the fixtures in just a couple of months, as well as a quick look at maybe some of the squad announcements or surprises we might see tomorrow with a League of Ireland interest, I suppose, from a point of view of the players within our own league. Um, but first and foremost, Avenir Cup, um, there's been a change this week. Derry City have invited Science Swifts, their neighbours, to take their place in that competition can't say I'm overly surprised. I'm guessing Derry were included because they're also in the League of Ireland for the men's and they're an obvious inclusion. But I think if you look at the league table, it's quite clear that it would, they wouldn't bring a whole pile in terms of competitive edge. Is that fair to say? Without being too harsh. I think, I think it was probably a wise move from Derry. That's that. I think it was a wise move from Derry. It'll affect obviously affect Sligo and Bowes for the fact that Sligo, Bowes will probably have to go. Well, Bowes will have to go to the side. It's closer. It's closer. Strabane's easier to get to than than well, Derry. But like for me, like I I had concerns over how the scorelines were going to go. Looking at Derry scores in the first couple of games in the in the league up north. So like Sion have tended to have a good a good reputation. They've obviously brought through the likes of Tyler Tolan in recent years. Roman McLaughlin's had spells with them. Kira Grant has had spells with them before coming back to Shells. And like you, you'll be, you'll be, you'll be hoping they will add a, add a good bit to the to the competition. As Megan did say, though, the group of death is looking very, very, very interesting with Pima Wexford, Glen Thorne, and and Shamrock Rovers. Like I can't imagine, I can't imagine the Pima the Pima and Shamrock Rovers game. There'll be, I, I suspect, there'll be a couple of changes to that side and to the side that's up that plays this weekend. And like you just hope that for the first competition. It, the, the games do it justice because there's always that fear that because it's a mid-season players may book holidays players may be away because of the way things are working out so you just hope that you know teams teams give it the best possible full forward yes they'll make some changes and hopefully it is competitive and it's not just a, a one-sided competition I do think it's unfortunate that they've cut out the quarter-final stage of a 16-team competition I think only the group winners going through may make some round three fixtures Immaterial and even some round two fixtures. If two teams get a pace on, on the first round, pace each other round two and, and whatever round three, I just think there could be a lot of there might even potentially at this level, I hate saying it, be a couple of no shows in round three of the competition when it doesn't mean anything. And I think that would be a negative. I think maybe we look at other competition formats in the country that we're looking at the Samba Cup and the uh, Charlton Cup in men's football. Um, I know it's a different code, but the, the team going into the, the last eight and then a team, the next two teams going in meant that every single game was competitive right up until the last set of games last week. I think that's a little bit overkill but I definitely think the top two went through um, to a seeded quarterfinal. It adds one round of fixtures. That's all it is. It's one week. I, I assume it's all I assume it's all due to timing. I oh, assume it's all due to 100% yeah. It absolutely no, but is. Like, for, for, me, for me though, Brefney, like you, could have, you could have easily like, if you'd have had how would you say I, that's why I would like to see all, all 21 teams in it and then just to nearly have it in seven groups of three have the bet the, the seven winners come out the seven winners come out the best runner up on them and you know and you know nearly put it into a last 16 put it into a quarter final then and, and run it off at least at least then but like that's your fear that it's, it's going to go to a semi-final it's just, it's just going to go straight to a semi-final and final and like it'll be over it'll be over pretty quickly and be interested to see where the semi-final the final sort of Take place. Who do you think's gonna win it? I don't know. I think I think I think 
bows of a bows of a decent bows of a decent draw. I'm interested to see what comes out who comes out of treaty group. Yeah. I it's, the problem is is I could say this team is gonna win it or this team is gonna win it. But the problem is is so P Mount and Rovers could put out players from their under seventeens and nineteens give them an opportunity and all of a sudden get beaten and be out of the group and like I do think a team from the South will win it. Yeah. I'm just not sure which one yet. I'd be I'd be I'd be pretty confident in making a prediction once we get to the semi final stage, but we don't know what, yeah. what team people are gonna put out at this stage. Do you want a ladder to get back down off that fence? You good? Okay. <laughs> um, I had a question for you earlier. You mentioned I was going to put you on the spot. So there has been rumours this week about Love Island having a League of Ireland input this week. Uh, the rumour mill is suggesting, I did see a couple of shouts for Jordan Adeyemo who left Wexford um, earlier in the season. I can't see that happening. Scott Vandersloos seems to be uh, the favourite for most people to be the one who's going to be part of, of the show. But if it was a woman... Who do you think it would be, and would Bohemians miss her? It's it's definitely not going. It's not going. It's definitely not going to be. I know who you're talking about straight away. I'm not I, even answering that question because that's the sort of question that would. You could take your pick. I'm not talking about anyone in particular. It could be half the Bohemians team, as far as I'm concerned. But no, but like, who who do you think would make a great Love Island contestant from the women's national league? I've never watched an episode, so I couldn't even tell you who. I couldn't even tell you, and I'm not gonna even throw myself over. I'll sit on the fence on that. Need a ladder for the other side of the fence this time. Um, moving quickly on, women Irish squad comes out next week or tomorrow morning. Um, who can we expect to see in it from a League of Ireland point of view? Who should we see in it? And is it kind of a, if, if you're not in tomorrow, you're not going to the World Cup? Is that game over? Unless there's a major injury that 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 pulls you in, I don't suspect anybody. If you're not the only ones who I say will probably not be named, I'm not 100 percent sure if the likes of Denise O'Sullivan will be named tomorrow, just because the fact that I don't know when she's gonna the, the American players are gonna be released from their clubs, so I'm not sure if they'll be announced, but they will come in. They will come in the likes of Denise, Marissa Shavers, and Sinead Farley. I would say if you're not in the 27 from either from a home base side of things, you you probably are 27. I suspect you'll name by 27, 28. You're, you don't have a chance. Um, the talk so who's, is who's likely to be in there from a League of Ireland point of view? talk the talk is there's only going to be four: Erin McLaughlin, Tara O'Hanlon, Anya O'Gorman, and Abby Larkin. So the, the talk is now Jesse Stapleton. For me, I'd have Jesse in ahead of. I'd have Jesse in. All day, and like the thing, the thing is, I get why they don't want to bring in a massive squad either. They're gonna do a lot of the preparations over, 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 over in the, a bit of it in the, in the over the other side of the city, not in, not in Abbottstown, and she wants to have a smaller squad. I suspect that if you're not in tomorrow, I don't think she, I don't think Jesse, I don't think we'll see any surprises from the national league. I would look, I would have loved to see a side Doyle get a bit of an opportunity to go and impress because side Doyle is probably seven and a half, probably, probably been harsh, probably about eight, eight and a half every out of 10 every game and she's so consistent but like Erin McLaughlin getting a bit of an opportunity she sort of was a little bit on the periphery she was in for one of the camps in in, in Spain earlier in the year like I don't know I don't that was the rumour last week and there's been no real changes so far but I don't think she'll, she'll pull a, much of a rabbit out of hat tomorrow and I think a lot of the players that will be named will be players that we will have seen already in the camp I don't think any more will come in that we haven't seen previously yeah, and I'm just going to say we, we, um, we'll move on because we're getting close to the hour mark here and I do want a quick, quick, quick look at the fixtures this weekend and of course uh, the big one probably has to be that game uh, in um, Talat, Sean Rovers versus 
uh, P-Mount United. I'm going to be in Sligo. Of course, Galway and I have a Connacht Derby there as well. Wexford coming to Talca Park. Uh, plenty of big games this weekend. DLO Waves, of course, host Treaty. There's a competitive game between two sides, just one place separating them in the league table. Um, where are you going to be? What's your plans for the weekend? I don't know. Yeah, I haven't. I'm 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 time with time with a couple. I haven't really nailed it down yet. I'd say probably just because of timings, I, I may find myself on, on on one of the games on the north side of Dublin, probably either at Shells Wexford or Bowes Cork. But the interesting thing, just on the Shells Wexford point of view, Wexford went into that previous game against Shells on the back of a bit of a, a barren run, and, and look what they've done. They have a tendency of getting big results against Shelburne. Jess Lawler in Talca Park last year when she charged down Amanda Bud and give them a Give them the one 0 victory. Talca Park seems to be a good hunting home for for Wexford youths in recent years. Shall to be really looking to, to turn that around. But I think there's a lot of compelling games. I think I just say the DLR treaty game for the fact that they're so close. Alvin Heiser probably think feels they should have got something out of the game. They should have got the three points out of the game when they met earlier in the season in the nil all draw. Like the only the only criminal offence that I'm going to claim this weekend is the fact that there's four games in Dublin this weekend is absolutely criminal. It's not a lot of people. There's not a lot of people, let's be honest, who will go to more than one game of a weekend, even if they were spread out across the weekend. You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. Yeah, maybe. You'd but, be surprised. And you'd be actually genuinely surprised in Dublin. You'd see the amount of faces you'd see that that rock up to rock up to Piedmont or rock up to somewhere at two o'clock and then rock up to Piedmont at five o'clock or rock up to, to Rovers at half five. You, you'd be surprised more than you think. Yeah,
and Piemont yeah. going there having lost the players so there's no motivation needed for either side I don't think I do think it's a big game for both teams because I think if, if Shamrock Rovers go on and win the game and put themselves in both position to win the league uh, albeit with a bit of a decent run in left seven games to play after, after this weekend I think it will be a real statement from, from their arrival in the league but on the other side I think if, if Piemont can hold on and avoid defeat in that game or even maybe win it and go on to win the league title I think it'll actually be the the, probably the most impressive result of a season for a club in the league in a long time because given where they've been, they haven't really, they, they were beaten on the day, last day of the season two years ago, fell out of contention two days from the end of the season last year, looked to be dropping a little bit, got decimated in the off-season, uh, at least publicly on the outside, and they've responded like this. I think personally it'd be the, the best yeah, league in seasons. Interesting, interesting stuff, you know. They've dropped points in two games. A draw yeah. against Shamrock Rovers and a loss against Shelts. It's the only games they've dropped points this season. Whereas Shamrock Rovers have, have dropped, obviously they haven't lost the game, but they've drawn four. Shelts have, have, have drawn one and lost three. Whereas the difference is, I think this season is just Piedmont's consistency. Like you look at, the biggest test for them was probably off the back of that Shelts defeat. How, how did they react off the back of that Shelts defeat? Happened on a midweek, the two and a half weeks between games and you're sort of thinking, how are they going to go out and react here? And then all of a sudden, they go and play Wexford and get three points against Wexford and that just showed the character for me and if they can get them I think we really have to start talking about is it Piedmont's league and like Saturday yeah. will tell us an awful lot and the fact that it's the last round of league games until mid until mid April, mid August as well so there's a long time to sit on this this result yeah it's a big big weekend for a lot of teams this weekend but it is also the end of the show for this week um, we will be back probably with a show next week. We haven't quite decided yet what we're doing, but uh, there's a mid-season break, so maybe we might take a week off as well. But the Avenir Cup will be the next thing after this week. Of course, there is the small matter of a little competition taking place on the other side of the planet uh, called the World Cup. Ireland will be there for the first time in our history uh, in the women's sense, and it's a phenomenal achievement and really exciting times. Uh, Aaron's going to be there. I'll be here. We're going to try and work something in terms of the time difference. It's not going to be kind. One of us is going to be up late. One of us is going to be up early. We haven't quite uh, had the coin toss or the... Uh, we might just do a rock, paper, scissors to see who has the early morning. No, I, th- I, think, I think it might be best if I have the early morning. <laughs> Yeah, early mornings and me don't go well together. Aaron, again, as always, it's been a pleasure. Uh, you be in Dublin at one of four games, maybe even two or four games over the weekend. I'll be in Sligo, uh, but it promises to be a good last round of games in this section of the league. Plenty to play for on Saturday evening. From all of us here on finalwhistle.ie and uh, at the Women's National League podcast, uh, we'll be back with you again next week. Talk to you then.